This is a global original podcast. Hi and welcome to Confessions of a Modern Parent. The podcast where my husband Mark and I discuss the challenges, difficulties, frustrations and ultimately the joys of being parents and step-parents to four wonderful, talented, beautiful daughters aged between 25 and 12. Okay, so if you were told that your job was going to be 24-7, seven days a week, (laughs) virtually no salary, holidays ruined pretty much all the time Uh, perks dirty washing not being spoken to and having to drive people everywhere would you say yes or would you say no I think you've got to add to that and mostly doing things that you don't want to do well not being spoken to (laughs) yeah Yeah, I'll do it I'll do it I'll do it all I'll do it all I'll take it all for that wonderful feeling of of watching your child grow up and turn into and hopefully an incredible human being the sweet spot so we're looking at the job description of a parent yeah it's a good one happy new year this is the first podcast of the new year it is 2020 what is it two Everyone's struggling with it, though, aren't they? Well, it's because we were taken... At least two years have been taken away from us, haven't they? <laughs> no, we really, still can't saying believe 2020. it. You won't believe this, listener, but we are looking at our beautiful Christmas tree still. Yeah, yeah. it's the 7th, no, 10th of January. It's uh, Are we now in the area where festive. it's incredibly dangerous? Well, to people are already on. asking on all our social media, <laughs> when are oh you taking God. your tree? People get really annoyed. I posted something the other day and they said, that's not today, you've still got your tree up. I went, no, I've still got my tree up. But people are really outraged. I know, it's funny, isn't it? But I think a lot of the things we do in our life, people are outraged. It's like, think about homeschooling. Oh, don't go there. Either. No, but I know. But if you don't do everything, if the you way think about else everything is. in your life that outrages people, you may as well just go and dig a hole and bury yourself in it. And dig a little hole and bury yourself. Did I said that in Welsh accent because I used to have a teacher that used to say that. He was Welsh. Oh, right. OK. Why don't you dig a little hole and bury yourself in it? <laughs> That's nice of him. That was the old days. That was yeah. the 70s. Yeah. He took his job seriously then. <laughs> um, well, today we're talking about the job description of being a parent, which I think is a really good question. And I just want to say from the outset that I've never known such a huge response on your social media Mm-hmm. to a question about parenting. It's been I mean, it crazy, went on and on and on. Whilst I was screenshotting them, I was thinking, Jesus, I need a cup of tea in a minute. <laughs> um, there was a lot, an awful lot. But, um, but yeah, essentially the question that you posed was, how would you write out the job description for a parent and what is the job description of a parent? Is there a sort mm. of fixed template or blueprint mm. for being mm. a parent? Um, that, is, that is non-negotiable. Yeah. No questions, i.e. you feed them, yeah, you, you feed them, yeah. you house them, you clothe them, or you try. You put you try them to bed. <laughs> I mean, not everyone can. And then, where do we move up from yeah. that? Um, I mean, my friend Lisa and I were laughing the other day, saying how we never got a lift anywhere right. from our parents. Right. We just didn't. You got the bus, snow, rain, sleet, ice. You went out and you got the bus and you went to school. My mum didn't have a car when I was at school, so it wasn't a choice. Yeah, but my dad did. But then then that's sort of phased into now where parents give their lifts. It's become part of the job description for so many people, hasn't it? It is absolutely. It's it's non-negotiable. Maddie's going out just as it's dark. You get in the car and you drive her there. It's an accepted, given, just natural extension. I stand up to go and make myself a coffee. She says, can I go somewhere, Dad? I carry on walking to the front door, open the car and fork out my coffee. I'm off. I'm gone. The car has turned round, jump in, the seat is warm. So, oh so, so our parents, whether they had a car or not, I think generally for our generation that would not have been the case. If you want to go out, you go out and you get the bus. Yeah, I mean, I don't want to bang on yet again about how different my childhood was to yours, but... I mean, in terms of job description, I think even my mum would agree she didn't read the small print. <laughs> she did. I tell you what, I didn't read some of the small print. Yeah, yeah. Well, she didn't read any of the large print either. <laughs> um, but you know, we've got through life and what have you. So you know, she must have done. So, what do you think was in your mum's job description? Um, her having an incredibly good time. <laughs> <laughs> And, and and kind of dragging me forcibly through it. 
Mm. You know, I was very much a witness to her lifestyle. And I think, that, I think the reason this is appropriate, I know we, we sometimes talk about our own parents and I think, well, is this relevant? It's uh, totally relevant. It's totally relevant because other kids will be brought up in a similar sort of set, set of circumstances to mine. And, um, yeah, I mean, if I'm really... I've had friends through my life, some of which are no longer my friends because of... I found it very difficult. I can think of one particular person that I was very good friends with. And the way she... She wasn't a bad person. She wasn't a mean person. She wasn't an evil person. But I just found it really difficult. That description you just gave, she sort of dragged her children through the life she wanted to continue exactly as she'd had it. Yeah. Before she had children. Yeah, and so um, if, I, if I look back and if I actually put myself back... Because I'm, I'm a big believer in that whatever you go through as a child, however tough or difficult, you generally are programmed as children to find the best in it, or you turn it to your advantage, mm. incredibly resilient in that way. It doesn't mean that, therefore, I advocate treating kids badly. Not at all. I mean, kids cope. In a, they're far more resilient than we think. Um, and when I look back, I do remember really just being a journeyman alongside my mum, you know, uh, you know, what was happening and when it was happening and who it was happening with was all dictated by her, it wasn't dictated by me. I mean, I did my own things, but that was through that... What's that sort of wonderful phrase? Benign neglect. Mm. I mean, I was allowed to sort of, you know, I would run free and just do whatever I wanted. And you loved that. You see, that's a real privilege now. That was a real privilege, yeah. And that was easy for her because she just Mm. threw open the front door. It was already open. She Mm. didn't need to throw open the front door. The front door was open Mm. all the time. (laughs) And somebody listening that's had an incredibly rigid childhood with a lot of rules and regulations and every minute has to be accounted for to their parents. And their parents may have been doing the best job that they thought they were. And to the outside world, it might look like the parents had the best job description typed out, and yet that child might say, my God, I would have longed to have been a bit neglected and left to do Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, whatever you haven't got, you'd wish you had. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. Do you remember as a child thinking... I'm not going to be like this, this, this or this as a parent. Because I I do. I remember that with my mum, thinking, actively thinking, the way my mum is about this is not how I'm going to be as a a parent. And it comes back to me as clear as day many times since we've had the girls. I go back to... I was literally a little girl sitting on the step thinking I'm not going to be like that when I'm a mum. Yeah, I mean, I don't think I necessarily sat there thinking I was going to become a parent, but I certainly knew from a young age, and unusually for a boy, I knew from a young age that I wanted to be a parent. Mm. You've always children. had really strong um, parental instinct. Haven't yeah, you? and I, I always knew that I, I always knew that I wanted them. I don't think, you know, I was worrying about pensions at the age of six. Yeah. So for sure, I'd have been thinking I won't meet anyone, I won't marry anyone, I won't know anyone. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, you know, everything seemed uncertain. So I didn't sit there thinking, oh, I'm going to meet someone and have kids when I'm older. But I do remember thinking, I really want children, and I suppose baked into that would have been. I want to do it differently. Yeah. Um, Otherwise, why would I want to do it? Well, I always say, I think with every... Like, my parents, when I think what I know of the parenting that they received, they have improved 1,000% on what they received. And then, hopefully, I've improved on what I received. And I hope our goals will... And that's... that's, Because you either continue something or you're the person that stops and makes changes. I often get... I always find that a curious thought when you say that, though, because I've been thinking about this recently and I thought, okay, so we've done better than our parents. My mum did better than her parents. In some things, but not all things. Well, I was going to say, are we on a a constant upward arc towards nigh-on perfection? Because presumably at some point someone's going to have to fall off the fucking stepladder and it's all going to go terribly wrong. No, because where I might have made, as a mum, improvements on what I want, because it's what I want, it's through my lens. It doesn't necessarily mean it's right. Right. It's what I remember as a child and I wanted to be different. Right. But my mum was so much better at so many things that are, than, than I am with yeah. the kids. I mean, she was just you know, incredible. Yeah. But the bits I wanted to be different, I've changed. Right, get, no, got you. I mean, the, the other weird thing about my the, the job description of how I was parented, I had very two different parental jobs being sort of implemented on me, if you like. I can't get that the right way around. So I had my mum's incredible, what would you sort of describe it, sort of freelance. (laughs) And then I had my nan and dad's that was incredibly uh, structured and um, regimented in a way and strict. And so it was quite hard to sort of segue between the two. So I had the, I had, I had a sense of the job description being very different to very different people. Yeah. And I remember 
balking at what my nan and granddad would give me, but on some level knowing it was good good for me. Well, they say, don't they, it takes a village to bring up a yeah. child. And, yeah. I, and I, I mean, my dream, I still could do that now. I've always wanted to live within a community. I'd yeah. love that to live amongst many people, everybody sharing, people yeah. being... Which, in a way, I did grow up with a lot of that because... Mm. I had, um, you know, really extended family. We all spent a lot of time together at the weekends. Yeah. Anyone could kind of have a go at you, you know, <laughs> and you just, you just, you found your way, you know. Yeah, but yeah. the thing is, my parents, my mum would, my parents never stood up for me against another adult. Right. And I think sometimes we've walked our job description a bit in that we immediately stand up for them against any adult. Yeah. We're very, very childish. Well, I think a lot of parents are incredibly loyal to their children. Yeah. I mean, yeah, I suppose but so. But is that always the right thing? Sometimes you just being blindly loyal isn't the right thing for anyone. Yeah. I mean, I remember my nan's absolute sort of... I remember my nan almost saying what her job description was when I arrived. We need to feed him, because I always came looking emaciated. We need to get some sun on him, Gordy. Gordy was my granddad's name. Because you lived in the because, basement. Because I lived in the basement and I would arrive looking like Oliver with just huge <laughs> rings, coughing, because oh. I had asthma. Uh, we need to get him to a doctor, Gordy, and get a proper inhaler, salbutamol. <laughs> you should say it like that, salbutamol uh, inhaler. Um, and get me new clothes, because I always mm. came sort of... And, and, most importantly, I would always arrive with a Cockney accent. Believe it or not, I sounded like a Londoner, probably. Did you? And it was my nan that drove it out of me. So every oh. night, every time I'd be running around going, that ain't the way it is, I ain't doing that. And she'd be like, what? Ain't I mean, she frightened the life out of me. Oh, my God, I didn't know that. ain't, isn't, say, isn't. I mean, I was So you would have sounded like me? Yeah, just like you. Oh, my God. But I, I mean, in, at school, yeah, all right, Perry, yeah, come on, no, I ain't doing that. Don't be so fucking stupid. I mean, I was talking like that. Oh. And it was my nan who drove it out, but my nan also drove it out of my mum, my uncle and my aunt because they were from Birmingham. So they'd all say, oi. So there you and she'd go. go. Very Don't much, say, oi. Very much her job description yeah, yeah. was that you give you, to give you a good accent. Now, yeah. my mum who speaks very nicely. She speaks perfect sort of standard English, doesn't yeah, she? Yeah, she's incredibly posh for the three of Sent you. Sent me <laughs> to a um, elocution, elocution lessons. Well, that worked. I hated them so much, and I'm such a rebel. This is why I speak the way I speak. Right, OK. And my mum never gave up. She consistently, every single day, tried to get me and my sisters the South. And we went to proper South London schools. We were out in the street playing with South London kids. Yeah. There's no way we're going to go out there and speak like my mum. Yeah. But my mum never let go of that line in her job description right. was to get us to speak nicely. And yet, for me, though I... I, sometimes I twinge when I hear the girls because they do speak nicely because of you, I suppose. Um, I never say anything to them. It's really, yeah. it's, it's not, it's just not a big thing for me. Right. I love accents. Right. Do you hate my accent, by the way? No, I don't hate your accent. There are, there are some times where it goes a bit too far. <laughs> uh, just go a bit too rough around the edges for you, babe. Yeah, I, I, I suppose. Well, this isn't a conversation no, about not. accents, but, but I mean, okay. I think I think there could be a podcast about voice and accents and deportment and all that kind of stuff. Uh, I do think what I do think about accents, though, is I do think having come from a background where I, I should have and could have taught like that, um, I do think there's a lot of reversed affectation to people who sound cockney. I think well, the, I mean, it's the, the Mockney is, thing. I think people yeah. like to think they're a bit more common than they are. And people people take... For I mean, with my accent, people will take me for stupider than I am. And I suppose that's what people are trying to avoid yeah. with their kids, you know. And there's this terrible prejudice in this country to people with accents. Yeah. You know, northern accents, I mean. And, and you know, my friend Kay, when she talks about what it was first like when she came to London and had a Scottish accent. Mm. And so that has shifted now. She's got as, posher. I saw yeah. her on telly some years ago. She's oh, a lot posher. Yeah, but, but, they, but, but that, has, that has faded away yeah, in the yeah. job description a bit because we've all become less prejudiced, I yeah, suppose. Yeah. Here's, here's a challenge. If I was to literally, you were in a fast, you know, uh, buzz around in, I don't know, countdown or something, and I said to you, what are the what are the top five to ten response job description responsibilities? How would you define it? So now? we're parking to one side, feeding, clothing, keeping them. Yeah, yeah, that's yeah. Absolutely, that, they're all that's absolutely. That's just taken. They're all given. Because so, even if people, and I really want to stress this, if you're listening, 
people who struggle with all of those are still aiming for all of those. Yeah. Yeah. Well, no, and some people are very neglectful and don't. Well, no, no. Well, of course, no. Some are, but I mean, if we're talking about people who are thinking about what people would be listening to this podcast if they didn't care about their kids. Um, Well, the number one one, which is the one that I had to change. Yeah. In myself, for because I wanted it so badly as a child. Yeah. My mum loved me. I knew my mum loved me, but she'd been brought up in a very d- different generation. Yeah. And there was no physical affection. Right. So, affection is very, very important. Right. I have broken through with the girls because I'm sure, listener, you recognise this. Teens will get to a point where they retract and they don't want you to touch them and they don't want you to yeah. cuddle them. And actually, I think, it's a big statement here, I think a lot of the mental health stuff that teenagers go through is through lack of touch. I think teenagers can end up having sex with people because of lack of touch. So I have literally broken through. They would be like, oh, mum, mum, putting away. And now they'll come back, they sit on my lap again, Mm. I hold them, I squeeze them, I say to them, do you know how important it is to have skin-to-skin contact? I'll rub their forearm. So that was what I craved the most through my childhood, and that is the one thing that I've improved on my mum. Yeah, I mean, I, I think that I see that coming back, actually, as the girls get older, mm. I see them doing that. I mean, unfortunately, I can't... I would like to do it. I mean, I've, I always feel that I've had such a paternal instinct, it verges on a maternal instinct, because... I would like that, and yet I have to recognise that with daughters, you can't sit there stroking her, stroking your daughter on your... Isn't that awful that you have to say, my paternal instinct is so strong that it's practically maternal because we don't give the same value to the word paternal instinct. You've just got a really strong paternal... Because it's strong, it doesn't mean it has to be maternal. No, 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 I agree, but it's interesting as you were saying that because what I would like to to have folded into my job description is that, I mean, as far as I can, I am always available for holding them, hugging them. I know that when they're particularly going through trauma or upset, they both sink into me. And I I hope and like to think that they're getting that big dad hug that gives them a sense of security. I mean, given... Remember that beautiful photo I took of you last week with Maddie? Yeah, 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 absolutely, yeah. You really do. And so that, for me, is really important because it was... I got affection, but it was always moderated by circumstance, substance, and something else going on. Somebody's a bit pissed. They go, come here. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It it never felt authentic. Though that's not to say that my mum didn't love me. She did, and and she does to this day. But it was always... It's complicated, physical affection. Because it would have been complicated for your mum, because your mum maybe didn't get the cuddles in the way that she wanted them. Absolutely. I think we sometimes very much in this country as well, we knock that a bit too far down the list of very important things, especially when you get to teenagers. Push through, hug, cuddle, stroke their hair. You know, now I've... And if if you're listening and thinking, well, it's right to say that, but mine just won't let me near near them, we definitely had that point with the girls. And, you know, just put... Oh, do you you look not very comfortable? Come over here, put the cushion on my lap. And they'll, they'll watch telly and then I just gently start stroking their hair. They might yeah. resist at the beginning a bit, but actually now yeah. they've gone right back to being toddlers almost, haven't they, with it? It's yeah. so good. I mean, I think the thing that problem makes, you know, that complicates my job description is that for whatever reasons and whatever circumstances, in, entirely of my doing to begin with, but not entirely of my doing further down the way, uh, my job description or my job was terminated with two of my daughters to some degree uh, and to, to a major degree in a sense. So I know that with our girls, I'm folding into my job description so many of the things that I just couldn't do with my two older girls and I would have loved to have done with them. And I stress that and I really want to make this point actually because I sometimes feel that I fall on my own sword a bit too much. I was stopped from being able to do many things that I really wanted to do. And what happens with absent children is they do become understandably slightly programmed by the by the key parents so no amount of sort of mm. openness and and you know free free flowing sort of job descriptiony kind of you know I'll accommodate you here accommodate you there if you're not being allowed to see them for stupidly 
you know, ridiculously irrelevant reasons, you can't enact your job. Mm. And and so I want to stress that, you know, that... that yeah, so that's all, like almost another podcast, isn't it? How does the job description shift once, yeah. you're, once you are estranged from well, your... You're putting a straitjacket. You're putting a straitjacket yeah. and you can do nothing. It doesn't even mean that anything is being said, but by the sheer dint of absence, you can't mm. develop that relationship where you can actually even help your children realise you're there. So all of this is leading to... One thing that I've wanted for all my girls, the the eldest as well, and I've strived, striven hard over the years, despite, you know, uh, the absence and the, not, and the, the geography distance and all that kind of stuff, uh, is to let them know I am always here for them, mm. that I am always there. Now, that sounds perhaps a bit wishy-washy, but I mean literally at the end of a phone call. I mean literally for them to come in and talk to whether they feel they want to or can in their own terms is something different. Mm. But I am for sure always letting them out, texting Izzy, I'm texting Fleur, you know, whether I see them a lot or not, it's like, you know, I'm always here, how are you doing? Big love, you know, if you need anything, da da da. It's kind of like wanting, but I overcompensate for that with our girls because mm. I feel like it was Yeah, removed. it's a very important act to be present for your child, to listen to your child, to take interest in what interests yeah. them. Yeah. Even if you can't actually physically be with them all the time. Yeah. And you're always doing that. You're always thinking about what they would like and what they're into and what... So I suppose in a way yeah. that that part of the job description for me is safety and security. It, and I don't mean that in terms of, like, alarm systems. Mm. I mean it in terms of safe and secure in the heart and that there is someone with a beating heart who is there in a sort of in overshadowing... Yeah, in their mm. corner, always there to fight them. I mean, I mm. did it with Kiki this morning, you know. Just give us a call, give us a bell, anything ever happens, just mm. just call me. Um, so for me, that's the most important thing, is safety mm. and security. Well, isn't that interesting? Because that's what you wanted yeah, all yeah, your yeah, childhood. Yeah, so both absolutely. of our top number ones have come from what we wanted more of yeah. when we were kids. Because I always felt safe and secure. I had a, sa- a stay-at-home mum. I was really lucky. I'd put my key in the door. Actually, yeah. I never had to put the key in the door because my mum would answer the door. Right. And then she'd be there with a gorgeous meal on the stove cooking. Bloody I hell. mean, really. I Bloody mean, hell. I was so lucky. Yeah, yeah. And then I had a very loving um, dad who was very, who was very affectionate. Um, Would you have rather a hug from your mum or a nice pie? <laughs> I suppose that was a way of her giving Hugging a hug. You. Yeah, yeah, you're yeah. absolutely right. Yeah. Um, I just want to flag this up before we go into the socials, is because a lot of people in the socials, and we haven't touched upon it at all. I love the way we didn't actually do our top ten because we knew we can't do anything quickly. <laughs> We've been here hours, so we just did one. You well, said no, no, to me, no, give no. me a ten, well, and actually I thought I can't, I can't do it. Quickly. Well, because I think in all other areas of the potential job description, we'd probably fail. Uh, that's why. I mean, strictness, um, you know, that sort of thing. I mean, we're not very strict. Boundaries. boundaries. Mm. Oh, they, they know their boundaries with me. Uh, there are no boundaries with me. No. Uh, but that's because I indulge them. There I wouldn't no indulge them so much if I didn't with know you, you were and there. you are rubbish. And it was funny because we were watching an old um, film, video the other day of the kids and they, and they were all jumping around in this room making an mm. absolute <laughs> racket, smashing things up. <laughs> and then Mark comes into the room and goes... Well, what's going on here? And we were all howling with laughter watching it because the kids just looked at me like, well, you know, you sound like you're coming through the ceiling with the most rubbish teller offer. But what I would say is they have clearer boundaries with me. Mm. They absolutely adore you. And in a way, it's very similar to my mum and dad because I never wanted to disappoint my dad. It would be the worst thing in the world. Right. So my dad never shouted at me, never said you can't have a boyfriend, never said don't do, do don't drink or do drugs or don't do any of this or don't do that. But everything that I did in my life, I would have it in my head. What would my dad think? Right. What would my dad say? Yeah. And so it was very, very powerful that. And I think you have the same thing with the girls. Yeah. I mean, I know the I know Maddie would remember a couple of times. This isn't about charting the times I've told them off, but there were a couple of times around schoolwork that I Yeah, get. sometimes you flip, but they never, ever forgiven you. No, no, I know. <laughs> <laughs> Given that I've probably flipped three times in their lives. <laughs> so I think strictness is one, you know, meaning well, tasks. Boundaries. Get boundaries, get, getting them to, to take responsibility for things and all I that I think we stuff. could have been much better with boundaries. I yeah. think where our children suffer with some insecurity and lack of confidence is around the lack of boundaries. Right. I think we've been absolutely appalling with routine. We both have yeah. ADD yeah. and that has affected our children very, very badly, actually. 
to try and get into a sleep routine or any of that. We've yeah. always been absolutely awful. Yeah, I think done. to a degree, we have brought our children along with our life. We talked so much. Yeah. You know, we were never those parents that sat at the table going, and what do you think? And let's count the peas That's together. No, let's That's count the peas together, Mark. We never counted the peas. Because we, we were always in a kids. deep conversation with but, each yeah, other. but we wouldn't talk always over their heads. If they sit down at the table now, we get all yeah. the conversation towards them. Yeah, but when they were little... We did find it a bit boring. <laughs> we never counted the peas. We didn't do oh, a lot. At dinner. No, but we played with them. I played with them constantly. Yeah, no, but we did fail a bit with some counting no, stuff. You're <laughs> talking about counting food place. on a fucking plate. You've clearly got this image no, no, of something you should have done at the dining table. I was in there <laughs> counting out fucking My Little Ponies and everything else for days, weeks and months no, of my life. You know life. what? We, we've not actually mentioned the where where the decision to, for this podcast came from. Oh, I yeah. was listening to an interview on LBC um, with Nick Ferrari and... What's Catherine Burblesing. Who is who runs a free school? She's sort of known as being a, a very very strict headmit- headmistress, and she's also um, head of social mobility. I actually surprisingly, because she's an extremely strict head teacher, like she doesn't allow the children to talk in the corridor and all this. She's sort of chairwoman stuff. of the social mobility social commission. mobility commission. But actually, I. Everything I heard her say on the radio and everything I've read since, I do agree. She's very, very much about giving all children, no matter what background they've come from, the same chance. Right. And she'd done this tweet, which was along that she she posted this tweet along the lines of, "You every day, you parents are handing your children over to the state and expecting them just to get a good education." And this was her repeating this with Nick Ferrari. And um, you're crazy. Read what she actually says. Yeah. She says, schools, even the best schools, can only do so much. Parents can do one-to-one instruction and we can revisit before bedtime. The power of the family is huge. Yet all we do is say schools should teach that. You might get lucky, great, but don't assume it. Teach them after school daily, always. Other parents do, they just aren't telling you. Exactly. And she went on to say to Nick Ferrari, you know, you can have great teachers, you can have teachers that have only just come out of college, you can have teachers that are going through emotional stuff at home, and you have no idea what teaching your child is getting. So she said, you have to give, you know, 20 minutes reading every night. I mean, if you don't, you're the parent. And, And Nick Ferrari said, but I mean... What about the parents that don't have time? And that's when she said, you don't have time for 20 minutes. Why have you had children if you don't have 20 minutes to give them for reading? And I think that's a really important point. Before I go into why I think that's such an important point, she's the one who said... Uh, count your peas on a plate. Yeah, no, that's with, what I'm saying. With a child, yeah. Because then she was saying it's about teaching them all By the stealth. time. By stealth. Yeah. You're, you know, you're playing Scrabble with them or you're doing... Yeah. We didn't play Scrabble with us. You know, you're doing lots of snakes and ladders. We only did a bit of snakes and ladders because we found it boring. We, I mean, we, we played... I played Ludo a lot because I remember the yeah, sound of actually. the dice in the middle. Anyway, we went on holiday. But anyway, so she was talking about that, but, you know, education by stealth. Yeah. Well, we look, we we fessed up a long time ago when we did the homeschooling book. You know, we made a huge mistake. We assumed, the classic us, we, we went really bound, did. boinging in the opposite direction. We recognised that we thought that by leaving your children at the school gate, everything would be looked after. And we just encouraged tons and tons of play at home. Well, tons of play, but also tons of cultural activity. I mean, I was forever taking them to enough. galleries yeah. and seeing shows and all sorts of stuff like that, as much as you can. But, uh, but yeah, I, do th- I often think that that's a really important question. I always, always use this analogy, but there used to be a time where you had to have a dog licence. So at some point in the history of man, we thought there needs to be some degree of demonstrable responsibility to have a dog, mm. but not a human. Why aren't you, when you have a baby, why aren't you given a booklet? Because if Good you question. haven't had... A list of instructions. Yeah, if you haven't had... <laughs> The example, totally and you're agree. trying your best, but there's just some stuff you just don't know. Yeah. I mean... I suppose they'd can't... argue there's a whole industry, isn't there, of new yeah. baby books and all that. But, uh, yeah, a, but a not everybody goes to one. them. Not everybody goes to them. Can't afford them. And also sometimes they're too big and hefty and overwhelming. Yeah. If you've got more of the basics, the job description for a parent is... 
Yeah, I'd well, love to hear some ideas of what other people have said as well. Maybe no, we no, no, absolutely. But I do think there's a really important thing there to be said because I think too many people assume that it's the state's responsibility to look after your kids. I mean, do you know what? We have taken virtually sole responsibility for our children's education, whether it be through the lunacy of private school, uh, which is a huge burden for any family financially, um, through to homeschooling, which is a huge burden in terms of time and commitment. I've spent, you know, weeks, months, so have you, running groups. You know, the amount of time we, between ourselves, committed to trying to teach our kids and steer our kids through homeschooling. You know, these aren't easy options. These no. aren't straightforward options. But I do think there's a general assumption, and we made that assumption at the beginning of our girls' you know, school experience, of thinking, well, this is other people's shit to sort out for my kid. Well, when she says, if other parents are doing this, they're just not telling you. Yeah. And we really discovered that suddenly, didn't we, at private school. We realised all these children had tutors. They yeah. had QMON. Yeah. They had extra... A, a curriculum, extracurricular lessons. Yeah, I we had no idea. Cheating. We used to let our kids come home and just play for the whole yeah. afternoon, yeah, which yeah, actually yeah. I do think is right. Now, before we record each episode of our podcast, we ask you to get involved on social media. Hashtag Confessions of a Modern Parent. If you want to get in touch on our Instagram, it's at Nadia Sawala and Family. On Twitter, at Nadia Sawala. And if you're a little bit scared of Nadia and you're just a bit worried that she might tell you off, you can always come to lovely, cuddly old me at, at, on Instagram at Mark underscore Adderley. A-double-D-E-R-L-E-Y. So we thought, wow, what a good discussion to have. Yeah. What's in the job description? As Mark said earlier, I posted this on Instagram and there has been... A I mean, there's been I, I, this sort of language is being used a lot, but I'm going to use it because it's appropriate. There's a tsunami of replies, a, 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 a tidal wave of responses, an unprecedented number oh of comments. OK, so Lucy Fit at 40, I have two children and a husband, so I would say must be able to dedicate yourself wholeheartedly to three other people and do the work of four single-handedly for at least the next 20 years, <laughs> if not more, once the grandchildren arrive. Jesus Christ. And it is 24-7. When people say oh, it's the hardest job you'll ever do, it is. If you do it properly, it's the hardest job Well, I think we've do. glossed over this. I think it has to be importantly recognised. What Lucy Fitz driving at there, really, when she says looking after three other people when you have two children, it's a very different job description for women yeah. than it is a job description for men. Yeah. As you politely drew my attention to the other day about get, getting through the night with a newborn. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. An illness. You know, no no ill child ever goes to their daddy that I've ever seen. Yeah. <laughs> if they're all up all night throwing up, they're coming to, they're coming to mama. <laughs> Claire Parsons says, teaching them manners and respect. Manners, that's an old-fashioned word that we don't think about anymore. I don't use that word. Where are your manners? I mean, my nan would say that to me. Where are your manners? Mm. And, you know, manners, it's, it's almost I like an old-fashioned word. I hated that when, when adults used to say, where are your manners? We just did that by stealth. Like, every time you give them something, thank you, yes, yeah. please. Well, yeah. I try and replace manners with kindness because yeah. respect is That's right. That's what good manners are. Yeah, and there should be respect. But sometimes when it was imparted by, like, my nan's generation, it was like respect... Don't fear. Fear, exactly, mm. yeah, fear. Whereas, absolutely, if you're right, if you teach it in a way that this is how we treat other humans, mm. how we like to be treated, because it's really nice when somebody looks at you and says, oh, thank you, or looks you in the eyes and says, good morning. That's a nice feeling for you, so do that for other people. Sarah Fox says, quite a simple list here, taxi driver, teacher, cheerleader, confidant, meal provider, health overseer. Oh, yes, perfect. Perfect, perfect. Pop it in the timeout needed uh, section. <laughs> Sammy Jane P being their sounding board, listening to them, and sometimes you are their counsellor. Absolutely right. And it's interesting because I'm, 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 um, I'm learning and studying to be a... Account, an addiction counsellor and I'm going through a sort of you know basic counselling uh, course uh, and one of the things that actually keeps coming up a lot is how the most common informal space for counselling and being able to enact counselling skills is in the family and with your children I mean mm. it's the first your job as a parent is as a counsellor mm. you know uh, mm. but and not, sometimes not telling them the difficult truth yeah. I mean, in simple terms, you know, like sometimes when the girls have said, do you like this, something they're wearing, I say, mm, not really. Yeah. And they'll say, oh, my God, they're horrified. I said, 
I'll say, if you ask me about 100 things, there might be one I don't like, but the thing is, you now know the other 99 when I've said I've liked them, I like them. And that's very painful sometimes for a child, from a parent, to not, you know, to, to, to... to not agree with everything. Yeah. To not agree. Yeah. yeah. To be the first person, maybe, that says you're not right. Or... Yeah. Well, in, in, say, my nan's case, she was the first person who said to me, Your armpits stink. Mark. Yeah. Stuff like and that. And I never made that mistake again. Um, Claire says, 12213 says, Don't do it. As in, don't do the job. <laughs> um, uh, Nails by Jennifer says, You will spend the majority of your time doing things you don't want to do. Mm hmm. That's true. That is true. Joe Witt, unconditional love, honesty, accountability, care, providing safety, stability, and a childhood. Mm. I like that, providing mm. a childhood. I mean, yeah, not forcing your children to grow up too quickly. Yeah, it is up to the parent. Did your yeah. child have a childhood? Yeah, yeah. And, and the nature of your child's childhood is down to you, unfortunately. Um, Helen Capps must be fearless, brave, prepared for change at the speed of light. Wow, of the Sense of humour required. Yeah. yeah, you're absolutely right. I mean, obviously, again, I keep stressing there are many circumstances where a sense of humour is very hard to hold. And, you know, when I look back at my mum's uh, story, if you like, it's easy for me to sit there and go, oh, well, you know, that and all oh, well, that. She was also from great swathes of that, a single parent, yeah. dealing with all her own shit. So, you know... No wonder she didn't have a sense of humour. Okay, I remember that. <laughs> you know, when you're, everyone's obsessed with their child, aren't they, and everything that they say. And I remember it was the first time that we ever sort of did anything behind their back. I can't remember what the thing was, but one of them was going on and on and oh, on right. and on. <laughs> and you looked at me and I looked at you and we both did this, like, <laughs> drawing on face. Oh, God, did we? Not down, we no. bad. <laughs> I feel terrible. No, but it was just a moment of going, yeah, sometimes it's, sometimes it's boring oh, being no. a parent. No, they're only little going no, on. I, know. I don't, yes, I don't. I know, but I miss Why them doing do that. Why do I go around the... You know, you're just like, oh, my God, I can't take it anymore. <laughs> <laughs> and it was a real moment. It was the first moment as a parent where it was like, it's OK for us to say sometimes this is really boring. I remember, bless her, really I remember uh, there'd be times when if Maddie locked in on a guest... Yeah. And she saw that they had half an ear for her. She's a great yeah. storyteller now. She's a great raconteur, Maddie. You want her at a dinner party, I yeah. believe me. Um, she would start to describe the plot of an entire no, film. No, I remember very clearly when she was about four, Nanny Dye said to her, oh, what was the film about? And an hour later, hour later. we were still seeing it. Oh, I love that. She went from she the beginning of the film to the end. right away to the end. But my mum being sort of what she is, she kind of enjoyed it. Um... Bookish Bird says, giving time... These, these are answers to what, what is in the job description of a parent. Giving time, money and possibly sanity to ensure their survival. Um, yeah. uh, Becky94, Chase says, please, for God's sake, someone tell me I'm expecting my first in four oh, weeks. Hayden no. <laughs> yeah. Fuller says, uh, you will forever be skint, a taxi driver, cook and cleaner, but will forever be loved. Oh. Helen Capps. Uh, must be fearless, brave, prepared for change. Oh, I've said that one already. Um, Sarah Hamilton Sutton, loving them, caring for them, nurturing them, teaching them morals and values, kindness. And I do think kindness mm. for me, you it's know... massively important. Yeah. There are not enough kind people. There really are. But do you know what's happened since the whole be kind thing? People have managed to weaponise the People are the trying word. to weaponise it now. Yeah. It's so weird. It's weird, isn't I it? I mean, I remember, and this is one of my good parenting moments, that I would always say to the girls... You know, when you meet somebody new, take a little time, watch them um, and and see how they are with other people and see if they're kind. And they would come home from school, you know, say, oh, so-and-so, a new person came. And I'd say, oh, and what are they like? Well, I'm just watching them for a bit longer, but I think they might be kind. Mm-hmm. And actually, you're teaching yeah. them. I think an important thing is teaching them to trust their instinct. Yeah. You know, and we've learned a lot, haven't we, over the... I mean, when we, when I was a child, if you were screaming and an auntie wanted to kiss you or bite your cheek, you mm. know, you, you would still be pushed, go, kiss, go, kiss, go. We've, we've been told now, we know, if, if a small baby cries in somebody else's arms, take the baby back mm. because something doesn't feel right to them and you're teaching them that their instinct is right. So yeah. that's actually a really important part of parenting, I think. I agree. To I say, agree. if you feel a bit strange about something, it's okay for you to think a bit more about it. Yeah, totally agree. 
Um, Kim Bentley, 83. Be warned that Christmas magic leaves around age 10 to 12. I'm sad. I And it's very painful. It's so painful. I, I still haven't recovered. I still haven't recovered. Um, anonymous, to make your kid feel safe in a scary world. Mm. Mm. It, it is hard. That is hard because the job description does fall along the lines of making them look be outward looking in the world but also mm. making them be cautious at mm. the same time and i think i still find that balancing i mean me and you throw more looks at each other across the kitchen when it comes to flagging up potential causes for concern versus not you know impending their their yeah. desire to go out and it's a that forever it's like difficult. trying to find the point with the clutch yeah. yeah i mean it's it's tricky it's tough it's difficult it's different for every set of circumstances whether yeah. it be your geography uh, your yeah. wealth whatever that, that, that's in another important um part in within the job description is this alertness that you have to have as yeah. a parent you are actually i'm just thinking of this now you're constantly on alert it's exhausting yeah, yeah. you're listening to everything it's in the really sometimes um just very simple of most simple of conversations that you might be having with your child that you can find out something incredibly important yeah. that you might have to help steer them or navigate them away or towards or nudge them i mean again yeah. going back to this idea of counseling and, and and what have you you're trying to help people find their own solutions mm. you're not trying to import you know impart your solution because your solution what might be right for you as a parent isn't necessarily right for your child this is something parents forget you know just because it worked for you doesn't mean it'll work for your kid just because yeah. you think this will work for you as an adult doesn't necessarily mean that mean it will i think what it's you- really important that you're interested in your child as well she yeah. she talked yeah. a lot about this that this woman that we were talking about earlier and and I think for your child to feel like they're interesting and to learn how to be interested in others, yeah, yeah. they are going to learn that from yeah, the parents. Exactly. They're not going to learn that from school unless they find they have an incredible teacher who's got the time to make each individual child feel like they're interesting. Yeah. Kira says they will annoy you and try to push you away just to test you. Yeah. Um, Insta says, uh, risk assessor and negotiator. Very good. I like that. Risk assessor. We are in a constant process of risk assessment. You're absolutely right. I love this one. This is a very visceral uh, answer. Hey Mum Mab says, not afraid to catch vomit in bare hands, wipe snot with your fingers and clean shitty bottom. I seem to remember a time where you sucked snot out of one of the girls' noses. Lots of times. And I've caught those sick loads of times in my hair, in my hands. In my, yeah, it's in very mouth? visceral. Yeah. No, not no. My, oh, actually, I think once some fell into my mouth. Yeah. Yeah. Frame Unique says full-time servant to an irrational person. <laughs> <laughs> That's, That's very, brilliant. very funny. I love that. Uh, Lisa says this is great. We're going into actual kind of adverts in papers now. Calling all masochists, insomniacs, and workaholics. This position is for you. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, look, Nightingale says what you've just said. Can you make a manual with the comments, please? It's hard. Teens in the house. Yeah, well, I hope listening to this might actually help. Um, Alan Plus says, my teens would say taxi driver, endless bank funds, chef, maid and laundry services. (laughs) Very true. Um, Girls do their own laundry now. Yeah, absolutely. And Tamp08 says, there are countless others. It isn't time to read them all. Guilt. You will always feel guilty oh, about so something. True. And that's so important because I spend most of my life But we should put that in the job description. We should try to find a way through this, guys. Why do we why do we take it on? It's really important comment that. Why do we take that to our hearts so completely? We just accept that we're going to feel guilty for the rest of our bloody lives. Is there no way out of that? Well, because and that, the problem with that is it's an existential one, is that for every decision you make, you know that there was always another potential decision you could have made. And we don't, unfortunately, yeah. in this life and in 2022, have the capacity to, to test know. drive one, <laughs> yeah. pull back up the road, go back to the junction yeah. and then test drive the Mind next. You, I shouldn't say everyone feels guilty because I can think of some friends of mine on Loose Women when we've had this, when we've discussed this topic. They don't feel guilty. Um, Oh. Well, I don't know what you mean. I've never felt good about it. I wish anything. I could feel like that. Um, Lucy Wigan says, listen, most of the time it's drivel, but sometimes there's a cry for help or something gold. It's kind of what you're saying. Mm-hmm. You have to cut through the boring shit to possibly hear the really important shit. Uh, Cornish made with love can sometimes feel like you're in a dysfunctional relationship, but you can't leave because you made them. 
Mm. It's very true. Dysfunction it is. You know, I often say that the, the mind of a teenager is a representation of mental health. So, you know, the dysfunctionality of the brain is, is writ large in a teenager. It's there, it's, it's in your house. You're, you're trying to contend with an irrational beast that through no fault of their own is going through so much change. It's, mm. it's, it's difficult. I'm just thinking as well about this thing of pushing through with your child, what I was talking about earlier, when, when, they, when it appears that they don't want cuddles. Yeah. Of course, that's a very fine line. Yeah. Because even today, the girls could come in and you have to sort of work out whether today is a day that they would want a hug. And sometimes you can just tell by their you know, that the armour is on yeah. and that's the kind of day that they need. Some, I mean, I'm now allowed in their rooms, which for ages you'd go into their room and you, know, you just feel like, oh, God, you could just literally wait till they feel them waiting until oh, you absolutely. go out. Absolutely. But I'd push through that and now I'm actually allowed on the bed and can kick Yeah, yeah. Uh... <laughs> Every time I call up to Maddie, she goes, yes, I'm busy or, or I'm changing. It's like I'm never allowed in there. It's so I do fun. think we were talking about this, listener, just before we went on, on air. And um, it is very different, isn't it? Because I sort of pine for that connectivity that you have with the girl. For example, what I'm trying to say is a mum can walk into their daughter's room far more freely, though the child doesn't necessarily always want that, but you could walk in far more freely, lie on the bed, doesn't matter if they're wearing something that's a bit revealing or, you know, they might be in their pants or whatever. But as a dad, you just can't do that. And, well, and a dad, but a dad would do that with a son. I tell you what, no way. What? No way. The girls are incredibly private like that. I, could oh, ne- I have you? to knock oh, on the door, I have to wait. If they weren't fully dressed, they would say, can you wait? So that might be... <clears throat> it's interesting that that's your idea of it. Perception of it. But actually, yeah. it's not. It's exactly the same. Oh. Yeah. Uh, winged says fridge is a free-for-all. Hmm. can understand that. Uh, Miss Gray's story corner says, uh, guidance expert who doesn't mind being ignored a few times until it sinks in. Uh, mm, and I like Lorna F87 says, no annual leave on call 24-7. Exactly. No human resources rules apply <laughs> and expect to be verbally abused. <laughs> there you go. Yeah, I think we should possibly, oh possibly end on that, that beautiful you know, description. Just one line now, just on that the penultimate comment there. Because this might warm your heart folks for you if you feel like you're not being listened to or it's not being absorbed what you're what you're saying to your child i'm still now how old am i mark 56 57 57 there are still things coming through into my brain that my dad told me in my teens or my mid-20s that i wasn't ready to process that i now process that yeah. and I thought, oh god that's so interesting yeah. that's what dad said and here it is so it is about the long game it's it about is. planting little seeds and sometimes waiting decades. Well, I think that's a good place to end because Rachel Mitten chimes with that idea. You are there everything. So pace yourself as you will always need reserve energy supplies. That's beautiful, Rachel. I love that. You're running a marathon, not a sprint. I love that. So when they say in a marathon, go slow, they also then say go slower. So Mm. I think that's probably a good strategy for parenting. Mm, slowly is the fastest way to reach where you're heading oh, to. That was yes the other day. That was a quote. Knocked I thought, it out of the ballpark. I love that. Yeah, I like that too. Um, well, I think we should have a listen to Maddie and Carlitos. Let's. I wonder what they think our jobs should be. Oh God. So let's start with Carlitos. I think the role of a parent is really underestimated and I think it is a very important and very crucial role in a child's life and it can be demanding and I think people with no children don't understand a parent's feelings towards their child until they have one of their own. Um, People with no children who are thinking of having children I don't think fully understand how hard it is going to be until they experience it for themselves. And I do believe parenting is a difficult job to do. Um, Don't get me wrong, I know I'm not a parent, but from what I have observed, you know, they have so many different responsibilities, you know, fill bellies, protect the children, listen to them, guide them in the right direction, make sure they're okay, you know, healthy mentally and physically. The list just goes on and I think a very important part of a parent's job, though, is to create a safe environment for the child, like, as much as you can, just, like, a place to call home. 
Um, I'm no parent, so I can't really talk, but if I was to become a parent, I think these are some of the things that I would try to do, you know, and make the child feel like you have their back no matter what, while still teaching them manners and how to respect others. Um, ultimately, though, I think the most important thing is that you do your best. Um, do your best to make them, f like, into a kind, thoughtful, respectful human. I think when people talk about your child and they say, oh, God, oh, no, <laughs> you know, she, he's a little minx, she's quite disobedient, or she's a little naughty, um, I think something's going a bit wrong. And if they say, oh, he's so sweet, she's so nice, they say, I love her, God bless them, you know, then you're doing something right, I think. I don't, I don't know, really. I'm not a parent, so I keep saying that, I know, but from going on from what mum and dad brought me up with, um, I think when I'm a parent, it's just, you know, the the helping with the homework, the giving lifts to and fro, just making sure that they're healthy inside and out, and mentally too. Mentally is really, really important, um, you know, and just providing your child with the with the necessities. Obviously, you can spoil them a little bit, but, you know, you need to teach them to be grateful for what they've got um, and, and whatever, and just, you know, making them feel safe and protected, but also letting them know that they have to respect others um, and, and discipline as well. Discipline is important and discipline your child when appropriate because, you know, we, we can't let children get away with everything because they'll never know the difference between wrong and right. Um, so I think that's really important for children to know. It's so funny because his mum, Lisa, who's a great friend of mine, said that Carlitos came downstairs and said, what's all this then, this podcast? I don't really know what it is I'm doing. She said, well, you know, and he explained it. And he said, well, the one thing I would do if I was a parent, I'd give me a lift every time I wanted one. <laughs> <laughs> so he didn't quite tell us that. No. And Lisa said, well... Well, she said, I don't want to give you a lift every time from school. He goes, we're just sitting there doing nothing. <laughs> well, I, well I, I, I made a note whilst I was listening to Carlitos thing, because I know he's, he's a very sort of... He's great. He, he's a real thinker. Um, and uh, he was talking more there. You're right, it was very low on practical requirements. For example, just last night, I took Maddie out to meet her friends. Her friends had screwed up their timings. What is it with these generations and timings? They're diabolical. Uh, so her friends had screwed up their timings. And so the, the choice was of leaving her to go into a pub on her own for a considerable amount of time, or I'll wait. So, of course, I'll wait. So I sat with her, ch chugging away for about 15 minutes in the end. But, you know, so there was none of that sort of giving him a lift or anything like that. But what I did like about what Carlitos was saying, there was... It seems to me that for, for a lot of people, the job of a parent isn't just about actions and practical tasks and favours and things done. It's about instilling values, isn't it? Mm. It's about the values and the reputation, almost, of your children amongst other people. So are they kind? Are they considerate? Mm. Are they, do they misbehave? Do they have a reputation for being a bit naughty? And, you know, for a young lad, he's only 18... Mm. Actually, he gave a fantastic list there. Yeah. And the reason for that is he has fantastic parents yeah, exactly. that have instilled all those things in him. For him to say, you need good manners, you need morals, you need yeah. to be able to get away with some stuff but not all stuff. Yeah. You need to be looked after by your, with your mental health and your physical health and your... where How is he able to rattle that list off? Because he has the example. Yeah. And that, you know, to go back to our booklet idea... You know, some people that could be amazing parents that haven't had those examples have so much more of a struggle finding their way mm. than than maybe they need to. So, well I don't done, know, Yeah, well, thanks, Carly. So something that came out of that, I don't know why I've written this down, it's called mindful parenting. I sometimes wonder whether, you know, talking as, seeing as we're talking about a job description, and not everyone is applicable to the job, are they? I mean, lots of people don't get certain jobs because they're not qualified. Um, I wonder whether we need to engage with some kind of mindful parenting, because let's face it, one of the biggest problems facing this planet is too many people and too many kids. Mm. So we do do it rather willy-nilly, no pun intended. Do you know oh, what I mean? Totally. You know what I mean? For something so serious. So serious. 
<laughs> you know, we spend more time considering things like buying a car sometimes than having a child. Mm. And you find yourself with a child and it's an enormous responsibility. Anyway, uh, mindful parenting, guys. So Maddie, let's have a listen to Maddie. So what I think should be in a job application for being a parent is um, obviously, you know, as a parent, I think you need to be pushing your kid to always do their best, yet making sure that you're hearing and listening to what they want. Like, I, I never think it's good when parents force a career path on their child or want their child's life to be a certain way or they live vicariously through their child. I'd, I'd say the thing on the job application would be to not live vicariously through your child because it's their own life and you shouldn't be living the life you didn't end up getting through them, you know. Um, and I think being emotionally available is really, really important. And there are a lot of parents that... I don't, I don't know, I feel like sometimes people mistake being a parent as being this... I don't know, almost like a teacher. And obviously parents need to push their child and they want the best for them and they can't always be the good cop, you know. But I think too many people mistake what a parent is and end up just not really having an emotional connection with their child at all because they're too scared of seeming more like a friend than a parent. And I think, obviously, I'm not a parent, so I, I don't know what's easy and what's difficult and all of that kind of stuff. But um, I think being a parent is having... A healthy balance between being a parent and being their friend obviously there's taking it too far and you know you're out partying with your child and you know you're too easy going and all of that but um I think as a parent you also need to be friends with your child and they need to feel like they can come to you and they can talk to you about stuff and I think parents that make their child feel like they don't have any kind of strong emotional connection. It never works. And their child ends up kind of resenting them because they just see them as this, yeah, almost like a teacher in school rather than them being a parent. And I know that if I was a parent, I would hate my child to feel like that about me and towards me. Um, I think small things like, I think being really supportive as well as a, job of a parent I think too many parents don't support their child enough and um had a certain idea of how they wanted their child's future to go when they don't live up to that standard they're like disappointed and they don't support them because it's what their child wants you know um I think there also with parents there needs to be this balance as well between trying to help your child learn from your own mistakes, you know, kind of guiding them in a better direction. Um, I think that that's always a better way to go rather than a lot of parents kind of, I think, force their mistakes and uh, that they've made in the past onto their child and um, try and kind of helicopter parent and steer them completely away from going down that route. Um, which is totally understandable, but I think it always works better when a child's guided in a different direction, but at the same time, I think parents need to leave room for the fact that children will make their own mistakes as well, and some of those mistakes might be the same ones that the parents themselves have made, you know. Um, so, yeah, basically what I'm saying is it's like being emotionally available and listening to them, but also knowing when to kind of step back and respect their own privacy. That's another thing. I think a lot of parents don't respect their children's privacy at all. Like, obviously, to an extent, you need to know and want to know what's going on in your child's life. And I think when they're of a certain age, you know, when they're younger, um, it makes more sense and it's OK to be more involved in their personal life. But there does come a point where they are their own person and you need to respect that they have their own stuff that they won't want you to know about. And, yeah, basically it's just about having a healthy balance with most things, which obviously I know is so difficult and can't be done 
all the time by parents and you know you can have the best parents in the world and they'll make mistakes but yeah I would say a thing for me like one of the most important things I think for a parent would is to be emotionally available and to listen to them um and for their child to know that they can come and talk to them about certain things and also that they push their child not to um take a certain career path or be a certain way but just push them by supporting whatever it is that they want to do and wanting the best for them um I also think it's really good to have like a goofy relationship like with my parents we have a really silly relationship we can laugh about stuff you know we have similar interests we can talk about exciting things I know so many people with their parents that the conversations don't go any further than what they're doing in school and what they want to do with their future do you know what I mean and it's kind of a shallow relationship I feel if that's all you can really talk about um and I think too many kids relationships with their parents are so like serious and strict and because a child doesn't want to feel like when they're at school they're coming back to another school you want to feel like coming back to somewhere you can relax um somewhere you feel listened to and you can be silly around them and you know you sometimes feel like you have a friend and not just a parent um but yeah I feel like those are my like the main things that I I know that I would want to be to my child if I were a parent what a lovely gentle thoughtful isn't it interesting what cut floats to the top for people yes and actually you know she wasn't talking about she was just talking emotionally and Mm. and we know because we talk to muddy a lot you know that some of her friends she feels very sad for them that Mm. she feels they're being pushed very much through a sausage maker machine that her Mm. friends some of her friends feel like they're being pushed through a sausage making machine and this distance Mm. and this very very difficult line of being friend but also being parent Mm. and i think there's so much that we berate ourselves with about our parenting there's so much we regret isn't there and we Mm. spend a lot of time talking about the guilt and where we've gone wrong and where we might have let them down but i think we might have managed that what she was talking about there was the world is actually incredibly tough Mm. And we forget that sometimes in school and the pressures and we live in a very, you know, you know, very crazy city and just getting home sometimes you can go through so many different traumas. And, and the child wants to come in and feel safe. She talked about feeling safe at home, safe to relax, safe to be yourself, safe to be a bit goofy, safe to be a bit silly, safe to be emotional, safe to talk about what your dreams are. Because what she was saying there as well, listen to what your child's Mm. dreams are Mm. and not what your dreams are, because it's very difficult sometimes to separate that. And also there's that whole generational divide where, you know, I mean, she's very focused on what it is she's wanting to do with her music and what she's wanted to do with her life and how she wants to live her life. And how she wants to do that is different from even our ideas of how that sort of life should be led Mm. or could be led. Do you know what I mean? So I think it's very difficult for parents to know what the right amount of squeeze, nudge Mm. and push is and the other amount is of, of, of respect nurturing and allowing space for that time. And I thought it was really interesting. It kind of flies in the face of the woman whose tweet we were talking about earlier when she says, you know, coming home, we don't want coming home to be like coming home to another school. Mm -hmm. And I think that's important because I think, you know, you do need time to break. You do need time to play. And I think one of the most important things we do have is people will say it's frippery and you need to just toughen up and get a thick skin and take responsibility and get out in the world and do... You know what? I'd rather have a laugh with all of my children and there'd be genuine warmth in the room Mm. than all of that shit. Most important thing to me with our children is communication and however that is. And the worst thing in the world for me would be as if they say, oh, I can't talk to my mum and dad. And and they can and they do. And funnily enough, I was having a conversation with them both the other day about something don't want to say what it is and I and I explained to them I said you know this is one of those moments as an adult as a parent where I'm a bit confused 
kind of one part of my brain is saying I must push you now to do this thing because I'm not sure if you're just nervous and scared mm -hmm. because you're just nervous and scared or whether this is the wrong thing for you to do. So I'm struggling a bit with making the decision. And, and I could see Maddie really absorbing that. And we've always been like that with them, haven't we? Yeah. We don't always know absolutely what the right thing to do is, but no. we're, gonna, we're having a good think about it. No. And we'd like to talk to you a bit more about it, and then we'll make a decision. Because even that, you've got to be careful, because you don't want children thinking they've got to make the mm. big decisions about stuff. And also, so, I thought she kind of highlighted there the, the idea that there's this formal relationship that she describes between some of her friends and their parents, mm. uh, and this informal relationship. And obviously, you have to pick and choose your moments as a parent as to when to be a bit more formal, where mm. perhaps you need to tighten things or nudge things or steer things in a certain way without telling them what to do. But all of her sort of words there, but her sentiment, as you rightly say, she felt what she was saying. I'm always reminded of the thing that you said to me, Nads, and this is important when it comes to, you know, making sure your children are doing all the right things. What are those right things? Who's decided what the right things are mm. and all that kind of stuff? When you're on your deathbed and you're holding your parents' hand at the end of their life, and I'm going to say this because I remember doing it with my nan, who was like a mum, you're not sat there with a CV trotting through it, going, oh, right, what did you do? Oh, right, you got... Oh, right, you got... No, you're holding someone's hand. You're being with mm. someone. And I think as a parent, it's important to remind that. We get so obsessed sometimes with all of the kind of qualifications and all of the kind of mm. hurdles that you have to jump over and having the sides knocked off you and toughening up. And get, Actually, you know what? You Which and is your... part of it. Yeah. But, but what I loved about what she said there was... She was talking about the feelings. The feelings, exactly. People the don't feelings. Talk about feelings that's all Maddie, though, isn't yeah, it? Nature yeah, so. girl. She just went. To, she yes. did no facts and She needs to live in a, in a tent in a wood. She really needs to live in a commune. Yeah. I'd be so happy if she lived yeah. barefoot in a commune. In a commune on a just rocky outcrop. She's always said, I don't want a house, I don't want a car, I don't yeah. want any of that stuff. She's so. Yeah. She wants the simple things in life, Absolutely. which is communication yeah. and relationships. Relationships. I always say that, though, don't I? When we die, it's all about how we loved people and, and how, how they loved, loved us back. No, no, yeah. but the more and more I go to life, the more and more I realise that. As I try and jump hurdle after hurdle after hurdle, I think, hang on a minute. What don't, are those hurdles? What are those yeah, hurdles? They're they arbitrarily yeah. constructed. And actually, when push comes to shove, it's a really sobering thought. You will be, at the end of your life, wanting to sit alongside someone who loves you and that you mm. love. That's pretty much what we all want from life. Yeah. And parenting, I guess, is about how do you most ensure that you get to that place with your children? Yeah. That's the job of a parent. Mm. Well, that's it for this episode of Confessions of a Modern Parent. If you'd like to comment on any of the topics we've discussed today, we'd love you to get in touch. Use the hashtag Confessions of a Modern Parent. If you want to find me on Twitter, it's at Nadia Sawala. And on Instagram, it's at Nadia Sawala and family. And if you fancy getting in touch with me, it's at Mark underscore Adderley. Thank you so much for listening. If you like the show, please subscribe, rate and review. Tell your friends and get involved. And you can hear more episodes of Confessions of a Modern Parent on Global Player or wherever you get your podcasts.